turn with me to uh, Joshua chapter 24, the last chapter in the book of Joshua, just before you get to the book of Judges, just after the, the Pentateuch or the Torah, the five books uh, right past, thank you, right past Deuteronomy. And there it is, page 212. <laughs> I have to tell you that uh, as I bring this message on Mother's Day, I, I did, I'm a, I want to be um, just open, I struggled a little bit in the message. Matter of fact, I, the Lord gave me uh, just several new, me- three of them, and I just have been just going through this, going, God, where, where do I start? And um, it actually was because just listening to what Pastor Ken spoke on last Sunday, I so appreciated his word and just the whole team while I was away did such a great job that it just sort of settled in me that I needed to come to Joshua 24. And really, I just thought it, it felt like he and I are, although we had not um, collaborated, we're like on the same page, or at least a similar page, which is just, that's always cool. Can you see a minute of that? And uh, Joshua 24 is about our continuing to abide and what it means. And then I want you to know, starting next week, we're going to go into abiding in the Holy Spirit. And I have a number of just, uh, we're just going to take a a season to talk about just what it means to be in the Holy Spirit, abide in the Holy Spirit, and and all that that entails. So, well, not all of it, but we're going to cover a number of things and just move into it. And then I'm I'm excited because then we're going to just, God has just given us clear direction all the way to the end of the year. So I'll, I'll bring more later, but it's exciting. So much is going on that is good because I believe there's a, I think we're starting to get it. Uh, I just I'm really proud of of this church to start really understanding what it means to abide and to get out there. Our, our assault is an example. I mean, you know, I just uh, we have begun, and you look at our map, you can see where where uh, it's on the wall. But we're looking at uh, really the north end, and we have begun to to just uh, just like the word said to to go. And w- the Lord said, wherever our feet would tread, He would give us that land. And and so in a number of ways we. We have been, and again, you look at these, I mean, these are brave individuals because they went out on their bikes, even though the weather wasn't so great, and they still went faithfully out, uh, just like God's army would, and, uh, and just uh, what was neat was real prayer took place, a real assault happened, and uh, just the testimonies that are coming back of not only what happened in their lives, but to the community that witnessed what they were doing. And there was a number of responses. So we had our, our bicycle team out. We had people by car. And, and it was neat because they, they were out, I know, praying and, and just uh, taking the land. And, and then community members heard about it and then joined them. And said, hey, can we be a part of this? And of course you can. And so the group got a little bit larger even uh, because of just what was happening. And then obviously we had, uh, these are the, really the true soldiers here as they went by foot because they are living out the, the, the Scripture in more, uh, in more detail, wherever your foot might tread. And so they were actually walking and had a great time walking, and I know that God used them, and used nature, spoke to them, just the words that were coming back, how God just really used this time and the refreshing of it. And of course, then we had, this, uh, we had our, uh, our guerrilla team out there, uh, the motorcycle riders, so they went out and very mobile, and did just an amazing job. And still, even though the weather wasn't great, uh, they went out safely and came back uh, 
just with great reports of how God used them as they rode all the way to the north and back. So we're going to do this again and again and again. So June is the, just around the corner, so information's available, and if you thought, wow, I, I, I could have done that, probably you would say you should have done that. I agree, you should have. And we had about 75 people out, which was amazing considering the day, and I'd like to see us uh, double that number. So put that date aside, information's in your bulletin. But it really reminds us of what God's called us to do. And Joshua 24 is a word that speaks to us about continuing to abide in Him. This is one of those series that you don't want to stop. We may look at it from different angles, but really abiding in the Lord never stops. Can you say of that? This is something you and I are going to do for the rest of our lives. And as we walk through the Word, I, I, I felt as I've been praying and the Lord gave this to me. This is not uh, the first time we've, we've talked about Joshua. Um, it's been quite a while, but I was reading, and Joshua's one of just a, he, my favorite men in, in God's Word. He was one of those guys that he just really did it well. I mean, you look at it, he was handed the, the continuing mission by Moses, and, and we don't know about Moses. Moses had a lot to overcome, but Joshua didn't. Joshua was just steadfast, consistent. He was a, an amazing general. He led God's army. He developed amazing strategy. Matter of fact, some of his strategies were, are studied today in war college. If you go on in the military and, and you study that kind of military science, you would study some of the battles of, Josh, of, uh, of, um, of Joshua and what he did and how he was successful. And he was, he was really quite a man of God. He really was. And so we're picking this up in chapter 24. He's 110 years old. He's a young guy. And what I love about the fact is that at 110, although this will be the last time he speaks to the gathered nation of Israel, it is powerful. So let me say this. God can use you in a powerful way no matter what your age. And let me be more specific. You are never too old for God to use you. Can you say amen to that? I had someone, and I, every now and then I hear this statement. Well, I think I'm too old. I think I should retire, and like somehow retiring from God's ministry or God's work. Let me again be clear. You never ever retire from God's ministry or God's work. There are no vacations. There are no sabbaticals. There is no retirement. There is only continuing on until you breathe your last breath. Then you are done. And then you go to heaven and keep on going. He's a man of that. <laughs> it might be a little bit different in how you function, but I love the wisdom that can come that, you know, when you talk to someone who's lived their life in Jesus, and they're 110 years old, there's something pretty cool about that. Now, I want to qualify, just because you make it to 110, oh, that's pretty cool, doesn't mean you have wisdom. It's living in God, living life and, and reading the Word. I mean, there's something about talking to someone who's read the Word for 50-plus years or who has been in the Word almost every day for 60 years, and then you talk with them, and there's something very different about that kind of conversation, hopefully. And so we're, we're coming to someone who brings words from the Holy Spirit. Joshua is speaking words that were inspired. These are not his words. These are God's words. 
And I thought it was interesting. Uh, after all the amazing victory, war after war, battle after battle, Joshua has won and has taken the land. And Israel is now, they're dividing up the territory among the tribes or going out to live life. Now, because we have hindsight, we know, as you look and you'll see, the book of Judges is about to come. We know that Israel's about to move into a season of disobedience. It's about to transition to a difficult time. From a time of, of, of really fruitfulness and success, now they're about to deal with some, some challenges. And I believe that Joshua might have understood by the Holy Spirit that they were about to face some things. And, I, and here is where I'm at. I believe you and I, too, are about to face some unique challenges. We are already in the midst of some battles that are different and will continue to be different, never before faced by the church. Economically, socially, relationally, ethically, morally. We are going to face something that has not been faced by the 20th century church, and we probably could even go back and we may face some things that I'm not even sure the church faced even during Roman times. There are things that we're about to deal with that I believe Joshua is speaking to us as if he was, you know, through the word right now saying, let me challenge you, let me call you. And that's exactly what happens. Look with me in verse 14. I mean, there's a a lot of information here, but starting there, it says, now therefore... Having said all that I've said, having done all that we've done, let me bring a summary statement to you. Fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Single statement. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord... Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. In other words, let me draw the line in the sand. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Let me draw a line here. You need to make a choice. Who are you going to serve? And then Joshua declares himself, verse 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's on so many posters. <laughs> and that statement's on bookmark. I mean, that's a great statement. But such a powerful statement of commitment to face the challenge. And Joshua is saying, you guys need to understand something. We've had a lot of victory. We've seen a lot of success. But you know what? You're about to face some very big decisions. You're about to make some choices. And I want to warn you, be very careful about your decisions. Be very careful about the choices you make because it will have a lifetime of effect on you. But I've already made my choice. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Which literally means we will love God, we will worship Him, we will obey Him, and we will make Him the very first of our life. All of that is said... And you'll notice that Joshua uses the word serve seven times. Anytime God's word repeats itself that many times, you want to take note of it. Can you say amen to that? (laughs) 
So a, a covenant, what Joshua is saying, you guys need to reestablish your oath, your covenant, your agreement, your promise to me. And in order to do that, let me establish the conditions and keep it simple. Here's the conditions of the covenant. Here's what you need to do. Number one, fear the Lord, love and respect Him. Number two, serve Him, worship and obey Him. And that's pretty much it. I mean, there's so much more, but to simplify it and kind of give you a global statement, fear the Lord, serve Him. He's saying, listen, you need to reject everything else that isn't of God because there are a lot of gods that you are going to face. He's saying you are going to have temptation. There are things that are going to come your way that are going to be challenging. You're going to have the God of the Amorites, the God of Ur, the God of Chaldeans. You're going to have all these kinds of things coming at you, tempting you, trying to pull you away. Be careful. And you might be thinking, I don't deal with the God of Amorites or the God of Ur or whatever. Yes, you do. They're just not formed in this way. They're formed through our media. They're formed in what you read and listen to. God's, you will find them in your discussion. You'll be challenged by people you work with. You'll be challenged by your own family. You'll be challenged by your own self-centeredness. That of itself will become its own God that you'll be challenged with to decide, do I serve self or do I serve God? Do I serve Jesus? I mean, there's, there are these ongoing battles that we will face, and the Lord says, you need to make a choice. Either you serve the gods of the world or you serve me. You can't do both. And we live in a church today that's trying to do both. I mean, there is a lot of crazy stuff going on right now in the name of church that you have to ask yourself, wow, how can those two things come together? And so there's some things here I want to just talk to you about. I want you and I to nail down a couple things. Number one, if we're going to do this and we're going to receive the challenge that comes from Joshua, then we choose to view life from God's perspective. And that is a challenge. You and I make the choice to choose life from God's perspective. Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. There are people who are going to come at us that are going to challenge your perception. They're going to ask hard questions. They're going to say, well, what's wrong with this, really? Why not? Why can't I do this? Who am I harming? I mean, I don't understand why, I mean, everyone's doing this. I mean, what's the big deal? You're going to be faced with so much challenging questions, integrity issues, the kinds of things that are going to come every day. And you and I are going to have to think about what does it mean to abide? Well, it means to choose life's view from God's perspective, which means His Word. See, a lot of people feel incomplete, unsatisfied. They feel like something's missing in their life. And so they're going to start going after stuff because there's an emptiness. And when human beings feel empty or when they feel hungry, they go out eating, just like what you do. I mean, the other night, I was hungry. I had no idea what I was hungry for. And I opened up the cupboard door. 
And there was such a, a huge selection. I had to try a little bit of everything to see what I was hungry for. And still nothing satisfied until I found the chocolate. <laughs> and so much of life is lived out that way that we open up a cupboard and we go, I don't, I'm hungry for something, but I don't know what it is until you find Jesus. And then you go, oh, that was it. And often we see a lot of people getting themselves trapped in some real junk food. They get themselves trapped in eating the wrong things. And it's so easy when you feel hungry and you don't know. And that's why you and I become leaders in our community, choosing to make the right choice. And Joshua is saying something so simple. Here it is. Either you put Jesus at the center of your life or not. That's only two choices. He's at the center or he's not at the center. You can't have anything else at the center. Only he can be at the center. He needs to be number one. And there is no other number one. And here becomes the great challenge that we're going to face. Is there's a lot of things vying for number one. Nothing else can be number one. You can't be number one. Your family is not number one. Your family is not number one. Your job is not number one. Your possessions are not number one. Nothing else gets into that position. And the minute it does, let me be clear, you are in trouble. If you're a believer, you are now in a place that Joshua is trying to warn you about, to be careful about, because now you have fallen victim into another God. Anything that becomes higher in priority than Jesus is an idol. I don't care what it is. And all you have to do is examine your life, look at it, and it becomes clear very quickly where your priorities are. Now, that's something you are required to examine. That's not my job. That's your job. That's why we have time with the Lord. That's why we have devotions. That's why we, we have the, that, those, those days with God that say, God, how am I doing? How's my life? How's my time being used? How am I doing with my money? I mean, you need, that's why you and I spend time with the Lord so he can speak into our life and say, you know, Steve, you need to correct this. You're not getting enough time here with me or you're not spending enough time in the Word with me or you're not, you're not doing enough of whatever and so let's make an adjustment here. And then you do. And I'll tell you, those are the valuable kinds of things. I, I just had this amazing conversation with someone who's about 76 and the conversation kind of went along the line, so what would you do different? I mean, he's been a believer for probably 60 years. And he said, well, that's a, that's a really hard question. And I've had this conversation with other people who get into their 70s, and here's what I hear repeatedly. I think I'd listen more to Jesus. Because my life got so busy, I did not take the time to reflect and listen to the Lord enough. And number two, here's, here's what I hear, number two, I would, have fallen, I would have followed my heart more. I sacrificed my mission for Jesus for too many other things because, and I'll say, well, why? At the source of it, I was afraid. I was afraid things wouldn't work out. I was afraid that money wouldn't come. I was afraid this and that. And I look back today and realize I really should have trusted God. I mean, 
I am so thankful for those conversations that I get to have because it awakens me to that reality that I want to make those kinds of decisions and not get trapped by not trusting God. Joshua's saying we need to trust him because we are going to fight the battle of self, of family, of possessions. We are going to fight the ongoing battle to put other things in front. That's why Jesus said, if any man comes to me and hate not his father or mother, wife and children and brethren and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I got to tell you, I do not like this verse. This is not a fun verse, and it's also a misunderstood verse. This, let me tell you, this is not telling you to go get into a fight with your mom, especially on Mother's Day. That would be a bad idea. This is not, matter of fact, you know what Proverbs says about moms? And you need to respect them and love them, and if you don't, you are in trouble. More people are in trouble because they do not respect moms and dads. That's a whole other message. This is about what happens when you take a stand when you hold firm to your priority and the people around you don't like it. Case in point, I received Jesus and made a choice to follow the Lord. Now, I'm from a Jewish home. I grew up in a Jewish home. I lived all my life growing up until I was 18 and I was out of the house in a Jewish home. I received Jesus at 18. And when I received the Lord, I made a choice. And I made, I look back and I would have done it differently. But I was so overly enthusiastic that I would go home and I would fight with my mom and my dad. There's something about you don't need to walk in the front door and tell them that they're going to hell if they don't know Jesus. <laughs> now it's true, <laughs> but you just don't want to do it that way. And I was kind of blunt like that. And I just remember... A little bit of this. Now, good news is they never hated me, but some of my family did. I still remember the day early on in my walk, my grandma died. My grandma rose. And they're from the more orthodox side of the family. And they had the services. And in those services, as the eldest son from my family, I rightfully had the place to help carry my grandma's casket. And I was told, you're not going to do that because you're not one of us anymore. And that was hurtful. I said, okay. I mean, I was a pretty young guy at this point. I was, what, maybe 19, and really, that was hurting. But they did something else to make it very clear. They left the spot open for me where I would have been carrying my, mom's, my grandma's casket. So they walked by, and there should have been six guys. There was only five in my spot right there. I still remember everyone being gathered around the gravesite, and I can still see my uncle putting his hand out, stopping me, saying, you can't come. Okay. Now, I didn't say anything to them. I had not said anything to them, but they knew what had happened to me, so they made that choice, and you know what? I, I lived with it. I didn't, you know, I was hurt. I told my uncle, I thought, well, I think this is inappropriate, but I respect you. What can I do? 
And it's, it's interesting, I, I was steadfast. I think they were hoping that that would have shocked me into something. I, I understand what they were trying to do. They look back now. At that point, it certainly didn't feel that way. Today, it's different. They're not crazy about me. But then, you know, there's five rabbis in my family. And there's one pastor. <laughs> and that's okay. We don't have a lot of contact. There's family members I haven't seen for 30 years because they have chosen not to see me because of what I've done. I'm okay with that. God gave me a bigger family. And that's okay. I am not struggling over that. I do not lie awake thinking about it. I don't lose sleep over it. I am totally, totally okay because that was their choice. But they made the choice. I made the choice to follow Jesus and give my life up to him. I would made the choice to be his disciple. They made the choice to be, if you will, hateful towards me. You are going to face things like that. And that becomes the great challenge that we're going to face. There are times when you and I are going to come against people, situations, and events where we're just going to be ourselves. The temptation is going to be to give in. The temptation is going to be to compromise, to somehow, somehow make it okay. And I want you to know there are times when you can't do that. There are times when you and I are going to struggle living life as God calls us. God says we are to practice a lifestyle that always involves Jesus. Always, in everything. I had an amazing conversation a few weeks ago with someone who, I've known this person for a lot of years, probably 18 years. And he came out and said, well, I mean, he knows who I am and all that. We went out and had coffee. He said, i got to tell you something. I said, what? Well, I'm, like I'm coming out. I'm really gay. And he's married. He's got kids. But he says, I've been this way my whole life. And I just want you to know I'm going this way. What do you think? Wow, what a great moment. I prayed and I said, well, you know what? You're still my friend. I care about you. You're totally wrong in what you're doing. But, you know, it's okay. That's your choice. You're making a really bad choice. So what are you going to do with that? <laughs> and we had this great conversation that, and I think for him the hard part was, and I made it clear to him, I'm still going to talk to you. I'm still going to interact with you. But I'm also going to totally disagree with you. And see, here comes the great challenge for them is that it's hard if we disagree. And then we say, but I still care about you. I'm not going to throw you out and pretend like you're this horrible, awful, no good person. Your behavior's wrong. I've known you for a really long time. I, I understand all kinds of things. I don't know how and why you got here, other than I know that this is part of the great challenge we face today. So what do you So here this person's gonna go, well, if you can't accept this, then you can't accept me. Because they're identifying the behavior with themselves and they're making it personal. I get that. And they're wrong. I can separate the two. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? We are going to face this challenge more and more like never before. And the challenge is going to be to love people, to care about people, and totally disagree with them. And you're going to be okay with it, but they're not. And they're going to walk away angry. So here's what you do. 
Let them walk away angry. And then you pray for them. And you leave the bridge open, but that's up to them. At, at some point, do not become responsible for them. You are responsible, what Joshua's saying, is for you and how you live and the way that you respond to these things. And we're to respond just like Jesus would. Jesus, when he came across that woman who was caught in adultery, what did he do? He loved her and said, you're wrong. Stop doing it. Now go. He didn't say, oh, it's okay, dear. I understand you've had a rough life and, you know, you, you just got caught up in circumstances and had five husbands and, were, you know, all those things. Well, that's all right, dear. Just come follow me. We'll, we'll figure it out. He said, no, you're wrong. Stop doing it. Go live life the right way. And you know what? She had a choice. I believe she did. But if she hadn't, that would have been her choice. Are you following me? We're going to face this so much more in the world we live in today with marriage, family, drugs, alcohol, relationships, sexuality. We are coming into a season, the life of a church, that we are going to have so many more challenges and you and I coming to a place where we live life that always involves Jesus. You get up in the morning and it involves Jesus. You go to work and it involves Jesus. You come home and it involves Jesus. You have dinner and it involves Jesus. You go to bed and it involves Jesus. You go to sleep and it involves Jesus. And you get up and here's the deal. You do this seven days a week, 52 weeks, every week of the year for the rest of your life. You don't get a break on this. There are no vacations. There are no timeouts. Every day, in everything we do, it involves Jesus. And Joshua is saying to the people of Israel, you're going to face challenges like you and I face challenges, and what are you going to do with it? That's why he said, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. So Joshua really understood what was going on with these people. You know, and Joshua, Joshua was such an amazing person. I mean, his whole attitude was, let me focus you on God. Not me, not my accomplishments, not my stuff. Let me focus you on God. Because in all that he said, he exalted Jesus every step of the way. And he made the statement very clear. We need to put God first always with all honesty and humility, giving honor to the Lord our God. Now, we'll be equipped to do that because we have power from on high. And starting next week, I'm going to talk more about it. I wanted just to remind you, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Here's something that I took from Military Science War College. You will never move an enemy out from his fortified position apart from the impact of a force that is more powerful. That's why we're going to our peninsula and we have a force that is more powerful. And if you want to see the peninsula changed, it's not going to happen closing in inside of four walls. we got to get out. God's called us to go out. That's why the word was, wherever your foot might tread, now go. And so we go to the north all the way. We're going to go to the south. We're going to take almost six, seven months to do that. 
And we're going to take a force that is more powerful, and that's the force of Jesus. If you really are wanting to change a landmass, and the reality that Jesus isn't well thought of where we live, the only way to do that is to go out and take a force, using our weapons, a prayer, a praise, a worship of the Word of God, and we enter into the enemy's territory, and we do have a force that is more powerful, and we will blow the enemy up. Can you say amen to that? But it's not going to happen just sitting here. It's not going to happen by pulling the blankets over our head, hoping the monster's going to go away. Remember what you did as a kid? Man, I, I used to do that all the time. I was certain that monsters were going to get me. But when I put that blanket over, that was a super blanket. It was powerful. And then I had my flashlight. I could destroy monsters immediately. That's child stuff. God's called us to move with an amazing power. And here's the deal. I want you to understand, based on what I'm saying, this statement, a truce with the enemy, a truce with the enemy is never an option. Let me make this clear. You cannot declare a truce. This is what concerns me about the church today. I see the church trying to find middle ground. There is no middle ground. You cannot negotiate with the devil. He'll play you, and it will seem like there is negotiations, but there isn't. It says, I love Philippians. It says, now I've given up everything else I have found to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life. Let me say it again. I have given up everything. That's the only way I can know this stuff. And then he says, so, whatever it, I love this statement. So, whatever it takes, I will be the one who lives in fresh newness of life. I'm willing to use whatever resource, change my life, change life so that I can live in the fresh newness of life. And I'm willing to do what's necessary. Listen, you have to remember that the enemy is, is powerful, but it's not all-powerful. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is everywhere all the time. But Satan isn't. But it feels that way, and we make this amazing mistake by not getting rid of the garbage. Let me tell you something. Here's an amazing truth. God can create something out of nothing. Isn't that, like, awesome? God can take nothing, an empty expanse, and create a universe out of nothing. Now, how he, I don't get that, but that's what he does. Satan can't do that. Satan needs something to work with. And so what he needs in you is something dead, some kind of garbage, we call it sin in your life, so that he can then take and do something with it. I mean, Satan is like a crab. They feed on dead things. I've been underwater and I've watched crabs gang up on a dead body. It is like really cool. I mean, like, I've seen, I, I remember I was diving one, and there was this, like, large fish kind of just died, and I went, and there was, like, 20 crabs just fighting over each other, and they were tearing up this thing up, I was watching it, and, you know, I remember going back the next week, and that thing was totally gone. They are 
the garbage cleaners of the marine life. They take dead things and they clean everything up. And they eat dead stuff. And they flourish eating dead things. That's all they eat is dead stuff. So enjoy your crab when you're eating it. That's why the word says it's not a kosher animal. <laughs> really. You're not supposed to eat things that eat dead things. Now, I have eaten crab. I'm still around. Praise God. <laughs> it's the butter. The butter cures it. Amen. <laughs> but that's what the devil is. The devil feeds on dead stuff in your life. So what do you do is you get rid of the dead stuff. But then you've got to replace it with good stuff. And the mistake we make is we don't fill in the void. And, and the word tells us, and let me read from Luke 11, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, well, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. And then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and goes, and goes in and lives there. And the final conclusion of that man is worse than the first. So what happened? At that moment, Luke 11 is telling us, you did right, you cleaned house, but you didn't take the next step. You didn't put God's word in there. You didn't put the worship of God. You didn't put prayer. You didn't get involved with ministry. You just, you look, and some of us look back and there was something great about the clean house. There's something great about a clean house, but a house can be too clean. Can you see a minute of that? That's my Mother's Day gift. You know, a clean house is a sign of a bored life. There's got to be more to the cleaning. Hey, you see a minute of that? There's like hanging out. I mean, so what? A little bit of mess. That's, that's no big deal because that shows life. That shows involvement. And there's something about this whole message that God says, great, clean up, but then put something of new life in. And that's what Joshua is saying. Listen, guys, we got to do this well. Otherwise, what's going to end up happening is some really bad stuff. Because, listen, the enemy's looking for dead things. He's looking for bitterness and resentment and self-centeredness and unforgiveness and anger and lust and rage and all these kinds of things. Now, let me say something very important. Our job, then, is to process this stuff well. Our job is to apply the word. Our job is to fear the Lord and serve him. Now, the mistake we make is we don't do this well. Now, I want to show you something that I, I would like to have six hours to go over this, but I'm going to do it simple. I want to make a point. See, a lot of us make the mistake of doing what I call two-dimensional thinking or processing. So you face something, and you just it's like looking at a just a, a piece of paper, and you go, okay, that's all I see is the front side of it. And so, boom, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I learned. And that's all I know is this front side. Two-dimensional thinking. I see more people get themselves into trouble because they have two-dimensional thinking. They're trapped. They don't know how to process as the Word of God talks. So what does the Word of God tell us to do? The Word of God talks about realizing that things have three dimensions to it. So yeah, there's two dimensions here. But then remember, there's a bottom to that box. 
See, sometimes we see the problem just the top, we forget to look at the bottom of it. And then, to make it more complicated, there's sides to it. And we go, okay, I gotta look at, oh, wait a second, I gotta open this thing up. There's an inside as well. And so now I am examining the situation from the inside, the bottom side, the top, and the sides. And in doing that, now I can process well what God might want to do. So what does this mean? Well, it means that when God and you face something, you pray about it, you read the Word, you listen to the Holy Spirit, you take and, and you get some help. Now here's something really revolutionary. Ask questions. Talk to other people who actually know what they're talking about. And then with that, you get some help to realize there might be more going on than what I see. Because this seems easy. This requires a little more work, doesn't it? This is what we want. This is what God wants. And when we start functioning in this way, you know what? You're going to make a better decision in life. You're going to resolve things in a godly way. You might even make a few less mistakes. Can you say amen to that? Because God's calling us to have this kind of ability. And I'm amazed that when you start seeing this and you slow down enough to do this, things can change. And, you know, God says we do this together. You can't do this alone. We're always together. God says, you know, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, right? We, we, we're called to do this together. So Joshua pulls everyone together. Bring this to a conclusion. So, here's the response of the people, right? They've heard all this stuff, verse, six, verse 16. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt. And they go on and on about all the great things that God did. And it says, So we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Now, wouldn't you agree that sounds like a great statement? That's like, wow, yes, you're getting it. High five. I love Joshua's next statement. Verse 19. Joshua warned the people. You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is holy. He is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he'll turn against you and destroy you, even though, you've been, even though he's been so good to you. Now, does that make sense? So the people says, Joshua, we get it. We'll serve God. Amen. We're on it. Joshua says, yeah, let's, let's wait a second here, guys. I know you. I know who you really are. I've lived with you. I've done battle with you. And you know what? Let me warn you. You really need to get this. God is calling you to a real commitment here. And this commitment really is a big deal. And you need to take this seriously and quit playing games. You can't do this one foot in and one foot out. You cannot straddle the line here. It will get you. You cannot clean house and then do nothing about it. You cannot live in compromise. You cannot live without clear integrity. You can't do these things and expect to... Let me warn you, Joshua says... You're going to face big decisions. 
I know someone in our congregation who was offered a huge opportunity to make a ton of money. He came to me and shared it with me. And he asked me, you know, what do you think I should do? And we're talking tens of thousands of dollars. I said, I think you should turn it down. I said, because what they're asking you to do is against God. He said, I agree with you, and I did. I was so proud of him. He let integrity rule him. He passed up a huge opportunity because he knew it would have gone against God. How many of us would have done that? I'm talking about a very real opportunity, about real money, and for any one of us, a lot of money. He said, no. It's, Joshua is warning the people, and he's saying, you need to be clear. You're going to take a commitment here, and are you really going to swear your oath and allegiance to the Lord your God? You know, last week I was in San Antonio, Texas. I had a great time to watch my son graduate, and I tried to see Nico, but he was too busy playing, uh, having a great time as a trainee. Couldn't get in to see him. He was actually had, was on the field when I was there. I know they're both done now. So my son Danny and Nico, they're done. They're, they're feeling good, and they're now airmen. Yay. But it was kind of neat to watch, and there's Danny right about there. And uh, there are 650 men and women who just all together had gone through all the training and then, you know, raised the right hand to swear an oath. I love the oath. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me. Let me repeat that one. I love that one. And the officers, and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And I love this, so help me God. They still said that. Can you say amen to that? It was just neat. I had a chance to put my uniform on and share this with my son and to walk around with him and get very tired saluting everybody. <laughs> but there was a neat moment that you hear this and many of us have said this I've said something similar several times throughout my Air Force career and it is something that nails it down what we're about and you realize these men and women may be ordered to go give up their life including my own son and that's something that you realize how serious this is and there's no going back on this kind of a thing. And Joshua's saying, you need to make this kind of commitment. No playing around. This is real. This is a big deal. This is not just a bunch of words. This is something that was drilled in them. They understood what this meant. I mean, I'm going to tell you, they understood what it meant to live in a military way of life. They were trained to respond certain ways. And they went through all that stuff. You've been through the same training. You've spent years listening, reading the word, and hearing someone like me. And are we responding in the same kind of way that says, yes, God, I'm here. I will defend the word of God. I will defend God's people against enemies. 
I am willing to stand with my oath, no matter what it might cost me, whatever it takes, I am willing to stand as a member of God's army. I am willing to abide in the Lord for the rest of my days. So Joshua said to the people, verse 22, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. Wow. Wow. Verse 23, now therefore he said, put away the, he still said it. Do you think he's onto something? <laughs> he said, put away the foreign gods, which are, um, which are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So he's acknowledging the fact that you guys are still in trouble. Get rid of the gods. I feel the Spirit of God speaking to the church today. Get rid of the gods. You're not fooling anyone. It's still there. We need to deal with this and to serve him. And look at it says, So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day in Shechem, committing them to follow the decrees and regulations of the Lord. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of God's instructions. And then he took a stone and etched out the agreement and put it by, under a tree by the sanctuary so that every time they walked by, they would be reminded of their commitment. That's why it's so good to come to church reminded every week of your commitment that God's called you to. You're no different than those airmen who swore an oath. Are you good to your oath? Are you willing to fear the Lord and serve him only. That's God's call. That is abiding in the Lord. Can you say amen to that, church? Let's pray. We hear this word, God, and thank you that we're reminded of what it means to abide in you. What it means to live life in you. And Lord, sometimes it's not always convenient. God, forgive us. Forgive us for the times, Lord, when it's just, um, boy, we gave in. But today, here and now, we renew our commitment. We renew our oath to you, God. We give to you our life and commit and declare, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I invite you right where you are with your heads bowed to say the words to Jesus. Say them under your breath mean them. Commit yourself to God again. Reaffirm the commitment and actually say the words, Lord, I commit my life to you. I commit to serve you. I will fear you because that is the beginning of wisdom. I will put away all other gods. Go ahead and say that. I will put away all other gods. I will serve you alone.